Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jake Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Drew, the Jokic jersey, narrowly edged out. Me putting up the James Harden uh, Brooklyn Nets jersey. He's the only Harden jersey I've got. So Jokic, uh, he gets the nod. Great night in the association. Uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show if we have time. But for now, let's bring in Brad Spielberger of PFF. Talk some NFL draft. Brad, thanks for joining as always. Uh, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, who I think the idea was that maybe they would regress next season just because uh, harder schedule and when you win 14 games one year, you don't typically win 14 the next, but seemed like they knocked the draft out of the park and then they have the DeAndre Swift trade as well. Uh, what did you think of the Eagles draft and do you think they're the clear class of the NFC? I mean, I think you have to. You come away with maybe the best player in the entire class from a pure football standpoint in Jalen Carter. Obviously, Nolan Smith, I think, will be a great contributor. Falls for reasons I guess we don't know yet. But uh, the Eagles, I think, do a better job than anyone else of they play a Josh Sweat who's 270 pounds and then they'll play a Nolan Smith who's 235. And they just they don't care as much about some of these kind of measurables and fit and all that. They just get good football players. Uh, And then lastly, you know, in the secondary, maybe two impact players in Keely Ringo um, and the safety whose name is now escaping me but um guys that probably will play pretty early on they might need to which isn't a good thing um but i think you know they, they addressed a lot of quote-unquote needs they didn't really have any needs but but they did a good job yeah i can't disagree with that and i think they're the nfc favorites for a reason the real surprising thing to me is that the margin in the market between eagles and niners is like this even though ostensibly the Niners are running Sam Darnold out there to start the season. Uh, and then maybe uh, a Tommy John repaired Brock Purdy to close the season. And yet that's your second choice is pretty wild. Um, overall, the NFC remains, uh, you know, a vacuum in terms of true powerhouses outside of the Eagles. Uh, and uh, I think, would you say that the NFC East is the most competitive division among the four in the NFC? Yeah, no question about it. I'm not even sure it's particularly close. I mean, I like the Seattle Seahawks a lot, but I think the Rams and Cardinals could be the worst teams in the NFL. The NFC North is going to be, you know, the Lions are okay. I do think it's funny. Everyone is panning their draft, which long-term I don't like, but for 2023, I have no issue with. I think you get some impact players uh, in Gibbs and Branch, uh, and Jack Campbell, we'll see. But but yeah, so I do. I think the East is the only competitive division, and I do like you know Dallas is plus one seventy five to win the NFC East, but seven to one right there. You wanted to bet Dallas, uh, you might as well just take them to win the whole conference, and I think they are probably better than that price. Yep, I like that. Well, let's talk about a less competitive division. Uh, that's the AFC <laughs> South, which is uh, always less competitive uh, compared to any division. In football, uh, Texans, Colts, Titans, they all draft quarterbacks. Uh, the Jags obviously already have their quarterback. Now, this division, 
largely seems like a mess, like it always is. The team that's most interesting to me, though, is the Colts, who I always come back to the fact that 12 months ago, the Colts were minus 130 to win the AFC South. Uh, and then they closed that price uh, when the season started. Obviously, they have the season from hell. doesn't work out in that Ryan. Now they have Anthony Richardson. But there's still talent on that team. I mean, what do you think of the Colts heading into this season? Do you think they have upside or are they a team that's just going to be a six or seven win team? I think they do definitely have upside. The weird thing for them is one of their weakest position groups last year was that offensive line, which has talent. They just did not play well. Uh, the defense is solid, although the secondary is a little bit scary. I mean, a bigger takeaway, we've talked about this before, if you want to bet them either direction, take an alt line. There is no point in betting their straightforward uh, in a win total. I think you could say, right, you know what, Richardson's going to be great as a rookie. Shane Steichen's going to scheme him up to you know do some easy things. Or you say, look, I like Anthony Richardson long term, but I think he's going to struggle out of the gate uh, and i take their alt under i think that's if you want to play in the direction how you should do it yeah uh, i i like anthony richardson long term but i think he's going to struggle out of the gate um i mean he's a rookie and he's at that he's a raw rookie uh the idea that he's you know the game's not going to be moving too fast for him is tough for me to believe and oh by the way there's still a gus bradley defense on the other side of the football which uh, is not going to win you many games in my opinion uh all that said Biggest winners of the draft in the AFC besides the the Baltimore Ravens was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it was by default because I really don't think any of these other three teams can really threaten them. So uh, that price only goes one way, in my opinion. But uh, Colts kind of being in the uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes, uh, I think, is very realistic. And, uh, you know, that maybe in 2026, this is a team that's uh, all of a sudden, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe or even better than the Jaguars. We'll see. Um do can you give me some commentary on how you think the process failed for the Houston Texans? My word. Yeah, I, I certainly can. Everyone is, you know, lauding them for getting two good players. Also, this is the outset before the process. It doesn't change it really, but if Will Anderson was Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa or whatever, maybe a, you slightly look at it differently, but he's not. We've heard he's not that level of prospect. But secondly, yeah, I mean, giving a future first round pick to Arizona, which very well could be a top five pick in the class and a future third, which could be, you know, top 75. Just horrible, horrible process. I, I mean, it is. It, what we saw was the ownership forced to pick it to and then the GM and the head coach. I don't know if you saw the video of Nick Casario greeting the two guys. Uh, and he hugged Will Anderson like he was his firstborn son and kind of just like said hello to CJ Stroud. So um, I, I think that showed up in the process. It's horrible process. And, and I think, yeah, Arizona could be in a Marvin Harrison and Caleb Williams sweepstakes next year if they want to. Yeah, I thought, I mean, yeah, completely baffling trade, not just in the terms of the NFL, but in all of U.S. sports. I think seven <laughs> or eight years ago, the Sacramento Kings made some trade involving like Marco Bellinelli, where they gave up some first round picks for the rights to sign Rajon Rondo, who was already washed, washed up. Outside of that, I can't remember a worse trade. And this discourse that like, oh, no, the trade was actually for Stroud at three. It's like. No, no, they, they already had CJ Stroud. They picked him two and they traded up for Will Anderson. If you wanted another defensive player in the draft, you should have just waited till 12 and not give up the equity because the equity uh, is just, it's just completely mind boggling overall. But in terms of on the field, uh, what, are the, what kind of team do you think the Texans are going to be next season? Their win total is six and a half. They have Stroud, who should have higher upside than Davis Mills. I think there is some modicum of talent on this team, perhaps not at the skill positions, but elsewhere. I mean, do you think this is a team that, that will again be you know, in the absolute cellar, or do they have upside to compete in a pretty weak division? 
some upside. You mentioned the receiving talent is still near the bottom of the league, but you do get a healthy John Mechie. Awesome story. He's back from you know battling cancer last year, and so there's some talent. But the bigger thing for me is Stroud struggled against pressure. Always been kind of his weakness in college, outside of randomly the Georgia game. And the Texans' offensive line is pretty good, and they added some um, some pieces in free agency. Obviously, drafted a center, traded up for a center as well, just to continue their run of trade ups. But uh, but yeah, so so I think they could be not a seller team, but I still you know seven wins to me probably seems like a ceiling for them yeah uh, i could not have said it better honestly um eight and nine uh they, you know they're throwing parties uh <laughs> and, and, and but oh by the way like congratulations you traded away your future to get a, a a high floor defensive player to put yourself in purgatory nice job like yeah. I, really I, in all of the free agent swings uh you bring in uh, robert woods uh, and dalton schultz I mean, talk about moving yourself from the bottom into purgatory. Like everything is just swirling uh, in terms of like, uh, you know, this is a team that's going to at best uh, kind of meet mediocrity for the next several years. So um, if that's what they want, just to kind of, uh, you know, get the fan base some some W's on some random weeks. And, you know, they'll probably get an easy schedule from the league to start and like go three and one and all the everybody. Like, yeah, we, we, we told you it was a great move. No. It wasn't. It was a bad move. This was bad process, and and realistically, uh, I don't think there's a bet to be made on the Texans. Certainly, but uh, six and a half wins, which is their current over under, seems reasonable to me. Uh, I think uh, you know, without actually running the numbers, I'm going to come up with something in the ballpark of modal six or seven wins for these guys. So yeah, Jacksonville minus one fifty. Is it a bet, Jay? Uh, it's not a very inspiring bet. Is <laughs> in the Jags? <laughs> it's not. Like well. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, that would make you feel better about that bet is it just seems like the the upside is so capped uh, in terms of like the the chances of the Texans, the Colts getting to 10 wins just seems fairly unrealistic. And so then you're looking at the Titans who have got their own problems. I mean, the Titans just perennially dismissed but incredibly well coached. I think Tannehill remains pretty underrated as well. So could they spring a surprise win the division? Possibly, but their odds aren't super appetizing either. Uh, let's talk about Offensive Rookie of the Year. But first, reminder to download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, Brad, so Offensive Rookie of the Year. The way that I think about this market now, and it's a little maybe wonky, uh, and fantasy sports and betting don't always intersect, but I think it does here where I always just look at 
fantasy average draft position of a rookie player um, because I think the fantasy market has become relatively efficient in terms of projecting stats. And so I use that to start from. And then obviously, you know, you give extra weight to a quarterback, particularly if they're going to lead a winning team. Uh, so Bijan Robinson is going to be like a top seven or eight fantasy pick this year. And he's plus 275 to an offensive rookie of the year. I don't think there's any other rookie who's going to go in the top 60 of fantasy drafts. And so Bijan, when he's got that edge, uh, so I think this market starts with how does Bijan Robinson lose? And it's likely injury or timeshare with Tyler Algier, which seems unrealistic, or he's just not that good. Um, but what do you think of this market, Brad? And do you think that Bijan is more than, you know, these odds are implying he's around the 25% chance to win? Yeah, so I view it the same way, right? I think that realistically, he should be the heavy favorite. Uh, and because of that, I almost don't really like anyone in that middle tier. I think either don't bet it or, you know, I'm going for a long shot. I haven't seen his ADP yet. I think I've seen some dynasty people kind of allude to it. I think Devin A-Chain has a perfect situation in Miami. Um, yeah. I think he could be a guy where, look, this this award goes to like highlights too. He can break off a couple 80-yard touchdowns with his speed, with Mike McDaniel's scheme, with all the, you know, distractions on the outside with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. They obviously were kind of like a fringe playoff team so you also can get some improvement it's not gonna be because of him but obviously those narratives feed into this so i see it the same way i kind of don't love it but 35 to 1 for him because i just love the landing spot the situation um and, and you know the upside potential there because i think he will be probably their top back by you know early in the season that's a decent shout at 40 to 1 don't mind that uh my look in this market was quentin johnson at 14 to 1 that's drifted to 20 to 1 so if i liked it at 14 to 1 i love it at 20 to 1 uh i just see chargers having a relatively um, you know relatively impressive offense overall and i think the idea that uh uh, Johnson doesn't end up as uh, at, at least wide receiver two in that uh, new Kellen Moore system by the end of this season. I think I would be you know pretty pretty surprised by that. So he should be able to put up a pretty decent statistical line if Bijan Robinson uh, you know, he could struggle for touches. You know it's, there's there's a lot of mouths to feed down there in Atlanta all of a sudden. So it's uh, uh, it's it's tough to say. Um, but uh, yeah, any long shots that strike your fancy, Jay? In terms of guys a bit further down the board, once you get outside of Bijan and the quarterbacks, I think Jordan Addison, who's actually the favorite to lead rookies in receiving yards, and the fact that he has a chance to become the number two option um, if he can jump above uh, KJ Osborne in Minnesota and what should be a passing offense. I don't really understand why the Vikings offense wasn't better last season towards the end, particularly when they had Jefferson and Hawkinson and um, and a decent offensive line when Darisol was healthy. It just never really seemed to click. It's weird because they're a 13 and 14, but I felt like they underachieved, uh, at least relative to like what they put out on the field. They obviously overachieved in terms of their actual record, but he would be one that I would look at uh, if Anthony Richardson wins the same job, I think that would become pretty compelling because that would be a huge sign that Anthony Richardson uh, has made a big leap um, since the end of the college season. So that would be one to watch. I wouldn't touch him at current price until there's more clarity there. Um, but Addison would be the long shot. And then the other one is is Bryce Young, who I think is just one to monitor just because you know he's got a chance to win the division. I think Frank Reich is a good play caller, offensive coach, uh, and the tiebreak typically goes to the quarterback. I think back to Herbert v. Jefferson, where Herbert destroyed Jefferson. I think he beat him 41-9 in the vote count. Now, Jamar Chase beat Mac Jones the next year, but I think there was a gap between Chase and Jones, and Chase had all the momentum. But yeah, I think the top of the board, Bijan and Bryce, uh, and then Addison, I agree, A-Chain and, and Johnson, as well as longer shots. All right. 
before we get to Defensive Rookie of the Year, every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packed with profiles, rankings, projections, order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. Okay, D Roy. Uh, I should have put the Source Gardener jersey up behind me because uh, we like this one <laughs> last year. Uh, Will Anderson is the favorite, which I think he's just the favorite because he went third uh, is the main thing. And had Jalen Carter gone third, he probably would have been the favorite. This isn't an efficient market at all at the best of times and certainly not now. Uh, anyone in this market that you like, Brad? Actually, one play I love, and I promise it's not just because he made me a bunch of money on the draft, uh, but that is uh, Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald, now on the New York Jets. And, and the thesis is sim- simply, it's always kind of a narrative st- uh, bet, but also kind of stats. And I think he's going to rack up a bunch of sacks early on in his career because of he just the other players on this defensive line. They might even have to cut some guys like Carl Lawson to fit all the edge rushers Ooh. they have at this point. But I think because of Quinton Williams and John Franklin Myers and, and Jermaine Johnson, all these guys, if you get into the playoffs but with a very good defense, obviously Rodgers going to get a lot of credit as well. But yeah, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of cleanup sacks, a lot of you know other good players chasing the quarterback into his lap. But I also do think he's a technician. He's quick. He's springy. I like him as a player. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, again, 20 to 1 is the price I saw him at. Um, I like that play a lot. That is a really fun shout, uh, especially because almost always the defensive rookie of the year tends to come from a team that has a surprisingly good defense. Uh, and Jets with this roster ought to finish top five. Is that crazy? No. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. Also, I think the other thing with particularly with defensive awards, there's just there's a tie break that goes to playing in New York, where I think that look, Source Gardner he destroyed Tariq Wallen in the uh, defensive rookie of the year uh, vote this year, which I think that he should have. I think if Source was playing in Seattle and Tariq was playing on the Jets, then I think that would have been a closer vote. And so the good thing about backing guys in New York markets is that for the most part in the NFL. If a guy is the most deserving candidate and he plays in New York, then he's just going to win. Um, Brian Dayball, if Dayball was coaching the Seahawks, I don't think that he would have won coach of the year because Pete Carroll basically did the same job Brian Dayball did and he didn't feature at all um, in the vote. So really like the look uh, on McDonald. I think that's a good one. And this is a market that um, certainly is the one to probably pay the most attention to through the first one, two weeks of the season. Because last year it was clear that Source was going to be right in the mix and he was 18 to 1 after three weeks when he probably should have been um, the favorite or the second favorite behind Hutchinson at that point. All right, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Can you tell people what you're working on? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so after a quick hibernation, uh, back, back to work at PFF. Uh, covering you know the remaining free agents and, and everything else leading up to fantasy football and, of course, the 2023 season. Absolutely. Awesome. And you can follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Brad, have a good one, mate. Cheers. Thanks, guys. A little association talk to close out, Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I got bets on two games tonight. I got bet on the game tomorrow. Uh, we'll just rip through them real quick. Um, I'm going to the automatics, which is team down 01, first half at home, uh, Knicks minus four, 
let's go next. Let's make the adjustments we need to uh, set the series back into a competitive advantage. And I think uh, Jimmy Butler in general going to be a little bit less, uh, uh, op, you know, a little bit less impactful on this game if he plays at all. Uh, and so, yeah, Knicks minus four first half is a good look. But in the nightcap is where I took a stronger stance. I played uh, Lakers to win plus 166. I put I took a, an under position there. I think both are very fair looks. And in general, with the fatigue uh, impact in Golden State in this one coming off of a game seven with the short turnaround compared to the two days of rest and recovery for the Lakers. And then and just in general, the Lakers being a much tougher defensive team than what uh, Golden State just faced. Golden State in general, those games flew over the totals early in that series because of specifically because of the Kings pace. Give me some unders. Yep, I like both of them. Um, all right, I made a lot of bets last night. In this uh, <laughs> I, saw your, I saw your tweet this morning. Yeah, and they're all based around two teams, the Nuggets and the Celtics. I don't understand the market prices on any of these outrights. I also don't understand how the Nuggets are five-point dogs in game three and plus 180 on the money line. They just closed minus four at home. So, what, it's a nine-point swing going through zero when the one team just lost its third-best player as well? Chris Paul, Monty Williams said he couldn't push off at all off of his groin. When a guy leaves with a groin injury, pulls it on an acute movement and then is limping and then doesn't come back in a playoff game, that generally doesn't mean that he's going to play the next game. If they don't have Paul, I mean, last night was the Damian Lee show. So I think that that's it. I think the Nuggets should be more like minus 500 in that series. There's still some minus 290. But I think betting them to win the West, still plus 160 out there. Betting them to sweep this series... Um, at plus 600. I think that's a bet as well. Um, Jokic finals MVP also. And then, so, I mean, we talked a lot about the Nuggets. So I think we both agreed that they should be the favorites, the clear favorites in the West. This Celtic Sixers series price, I don't understand at all. Joel Embiid hasn't started running yet. He hasn't started running. Yeah. He's just going to play, he's gonna play tomorrow night and just be Joel Embiid? Like, I don't think yeah. so. The Celtics, yeah. before the game tipped off last night, some places they were like minus 650 to win the series. And now they're minus 170 off of one loss and they're nine and a half point favorites in game two. And Embiid, it doesn't seem like there's any hope that he's going to come back and be Joel Embiid. Like, he might he'll probably, he'll probably come back, but I don't think he's going to be close to the guy um, that he was all season. So... I, I back Celtics minus 105 East because I think on average they're going to be what? They're going to be like minus 700 in the Eastern Conference Finals against the yes. Miami team or against Correct. the Knicks. Like they were just minus 1,200 against Atlanta, uh, yeah. who I don't think are that much worse than the Heat in their current state, who are favorites to win that series. Um, so I parlayed Nuggets and Celtics together at plus 110 to win the series. Bet Tatum, Eastern Conference Finals MVP, plus 175. Finals MVP, plus 320. I'm just all in on the Nuggets and the Celtics, and I trust that one of them is going to win the title. Just last one for you before we sign off. I think the market is just completely wrong on the way that it is breaking down MVP equity between Tatum and Brown. It's saying that it's like 70% Tatum, 30% Brown. I I think Tatum's closer than 90%. Like, he has been the MVP of every single series that the team has won in this era, and I don't think it's been particularly close. Like, the thing is with Brown, the issue is that, like, I get it. He averages almost 27 a game. You can't dismiss that guy, and particularly what could be a short Eastern Conference Finals. Small sample gives rise to more variance, which helps the underdog, which is Brown. But I think it should be, like, 85-14-1. I'd probably need 100-1 to to back the field in the Celtics to beat one of those guys. Um, but I just think Tatum, the thing there is that if it's close, the tie break goes to the better player. 
and Tatum is the better player. He's regarded as such. So Brown needs to like materially outplay him in a series to, to win MVP off of him. And the odds of that, I think, are, are pretty long. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a fair read? I absolutely do. I can't remember the last series I thought Brown outplayed Tatum over the balance of a series. Has it ever happened? Well, I mean, it would have been the finals, but they lost that series because they, <laughs> they lost. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. I think uh, Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown is just he, he's, he's too passive for too much of the uh, of of in just in general their games. And honestly, like if the Celtics don't reach their potential, it's probably because Jalen Brown is pouting over not being, you know, the alpha or whatever. And you know, Tatum is uh, is that guy. Yep. Yeah, I'm very confident in the Nuggets, Drew. Watching them last night, the level they got to defensively, feel yeah. very good about this team. There's something about the Celtics, though. Celtics are 13 and 13 in their past 26 playoff games. <laughs> they only really played one great team in that mix, which was Golden State. I mean, I know yeah. they played the Bucks last year, but there's no Middleton. Um, so uh, there's something a little, Dude. little Bucksish about the Celtics, the way they just play with their food. I maybe, maybe they're they're not well coached, but if you take the if you take the level of play you saw of the Celtics heading into the playoffs last year, if you take the level of play you saw from them in the first two months of this season, nobody in this playoff field is beating them. So if yes. that if that materializes, yeah. which you can, then uh, then it's over. I think the Nuggets are going to get them. I think okay. they're going to the finals. They're not going to be favorites or close, but I think uh, I think they can get them. But I do think the Celtics will be there, and and that is the bet. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, for watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel or listening to us in podcast form. And thanks again to Brad Spielberg for joining. Drew and I will be back tomorrow. Cheers. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.